Shall we get stuck into it? Let's rock it. Let's hit it. And we're back. Part two. Woo! Welcome back to the second half of the Last Call podcast. My name's Jamal. And still going through his Robert Dippier Domenico 1989 grand final performance. Ash Hetherington. Hello. Welcome to me. Um... <laughs> For me and see, me. See, Dipper's just ended his 41-year marriage. Ended? Ended. Ah, oh, you hate to say it. I saw him not too long. Kaputsky. Yeah. Where? In the jungle. Uh, and by not too long ago, I mean... Uh, Four years ago. I say not too long ago. It was quite literally last year. This time last year. That's, that's a while ago. Pre-lockdown. But he was, you know, he was looking healthy. And by healthy, I mean quite large. Hmm. I think he lost some weight while he was in the jungle. Most oh, of them do. That'll do it to you. Being stranded in the middle of... Where are they this year? Uh, they were in Australia somewhere. Oh. Queensland, I reckon. In with old Abby Chatfield. Oh, they weren't at the uh, weird... Jack Vigeon. ...area of um, Warren Heap Road. Down by my place. <laughs> Down by my old door. Well, I'd, love, I'd love that. This season, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Goes to Mount Helen. Mount Helen. Ah, oh, they get lost in Monza. <laughs> End up at the bird sanctuary. <laughs> Mate, uh, there, there's something. There's something I haven't thought about in a while. Hooey. Hey, he's off the mark. Yeah. All right. Um, well. We've got a lot of footy to get stuck into, so without further adieu. Might not be over yet. Five seconds to oh, he's out of bounds. 13, 13! <laughs> Can you believe it? He's kicked 13 on the siren. He's kicked 13 on the siren. Isn't that the sting to something else? Yeah. The a different segment? But, is... um, the list has been... Ah, uh, the list, yeah, yeah. Uh, shelved. Absorbed. Yeah, it, it's it's really just a Kong, no, Kong. Like, like a pinger on a Saturday night. It's been shelved. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, we had some practice matches going this weekend, and I watched way too many of them, to be honest. Which <laughs> ones did we watch? So I watched the Lions game. I watched the Bombers game. I watched half the Collingwood game. I watched all of the Hawthorne game and then I watched most of the St Kilda game because it was just a bloodbath. It was, it was brutal. Um, I'm just going to say it now. I don't want to hear anything about a certain full forward for Brisbane. All right. Well, I'll ignore the uh, first note that I have on. (laughs) I'll just take my headphones out. The listeners deserve to hear about the Ted Richards of the future. Yeah, leaves Essendon and turns into a premiership winning superstar. A, a certain full forward uh, started off strong and kicked out. Um, we'll, we'll call him Voldemort. Yeah. Uh, he who must not be named kicked four goals, two in the first quarter, and uh, looked like he hadn't been injured for, what, two and a half years? Well, at least it was nice of Hawthorne to play him back into some form late last year, I guess. Yeah, I mean, someone had to do it. You know, we just wanted to see the best. And, and to be honest, we were just putting up his trade value. So you're welcome. Uh, thanks. 
It, it's that we, he left in free agency. It's that performance that got you pick number. What was it eight? Yeah, well, it started as seven. It turned into nine, and I think we turned it into Archie Perkins. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of Archie Perkins, Carlton beat Essendon. Um, yeah, they did. We had one really bad 10-minute period in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, with that being said, Saad looked really good, um, which is unfortunate for Essendon supporters. And Williams looked good too, and he played a lot in the midfield, which... Um, Interestingly enough, saw Cripps play full a fair bit at full forward, which was uh, a scary sight for the rest of the AFL. Maybe that's where West West Coast of Frio need him next year, just practicing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Kennedy's getting old, Darling's getting old-ish. Yeah. Um, no, I thought Paddy Dow looked pretty good for Carlton too. Yeah. Um, Harry McKay when he was on the field before he got a little bit of an injury. Yeah. No, it, it's, and that's what I like about these practice games. You get it. You get to see a good run out. Like I, I liked Caldwell. He, he was involved. Um, the, the bombers. Um, and I did like um, Perkins on the half forward line. He, he was fine. The one I only watched the second half, but the one that impressed me was Cox number 13. Oh, he's, he, I think he's going to be good. 201 centimetre running winger. Yeah, he's uh, got real Blitzarves vibes for me. I was just about to say it. I don't know if he's as big as Blitzarves, like bulk wise, but he'll build into it. He's what? Eight. Not, yeah, he's not in. So not yet. Um, but was but, uh, yeah. a track athlete and an Olympic runner like Blitzarves? Um, he's 201 centimetres and he won our time trial. So maybe not, but he's no slouch. I mean, He's doing all right. Um, what um, else? I thought Harry Jones looked reasonably all right up forward. <laughs> yeah. Young number 23. Um, Alec Waterman did enough probably to get himself a contract and probably get himself a game in round one. Yeah, how does um, that work? Is he, is he not signed at all? Is he, like, what's the go there? No, so, so they changed the When they brought the mid-season draft in, they changed the rules that you have to... Um, keep one list open, list spot open for either a preseason signing like Waterman mm. or a um, someone in the mid-season draft. Right. So is it like a, I don't know, I know in the NBA you can have 10-day contracts where you're just like, it's basically a tryout for the team. No, so like he's not on any contract yet, but obviously these aren't official matches or anything. Yeah. Right. So he's just um, a dude. So he's been training with Essendon. Um, Did he play for the VFL team? No, he played in the Waffle last year. Yeah. All right. So he's from Perth. He played two years for West Coast in 15 and 16 uh, that were sort of riddled by injury and glandular fever. Um, and then he's had a couple of injury riddled years, the last couple. And now he's sort of back to full strength and fitness and impressing. So oh, I would think we'll, we'll sign him and play him. Um yeah, Harry Jones looks all right. Um, but yeah, look, I'm not expecting too much of Essendon this year. So, yeah, it's a, I think um, a good development year. Yeah, and there's a lot of players playing new roles like Heppel across the back line, Jaden Laverde down back, um, Ned Cahill down back, that little blonde number 28 that 
probably lots of people didn't know who it was. I say he looked like that. Um, fuck, what's his name? Matt. The kid who dyed his hair blonde and then pink. That's who he reminded me of. For who? Uh, for you guys. Um, oh, Guelphy. Yeah, that guy. Guelphy, by all accounts, was pretty good in the first half. Yeah, I was just like, oh, he dyed his hair back again. <laughs> like, no. Um, oh, he didn't. Yeah. Sam Draper's going to be a superstar, I think. Yeah. No, he looks he looks good. Um, which is good. Um, you know? uh, I think Essendon, you know, if, if they do it right, um, and I think it's good that they're having um, a first-year coach actually able to instill his values into a relatively young team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a long-term-ish project for the Dons, which, you know, depends what they bring in next year. Are, are they still sold on bringing Dunkley in? Oh, if we can get him, absolutely, because he's only 22. Yeah. Um, we've, signed his, we've signed his younger brother to the VFL side, I think. <laughs> um, Love that So yeah, no, it would be nice But I don't think he'll come now I think that was our one chance He wanted to come, couldn't get it done I think um, We've probably missed our chance at that But that's right. Next year, we, we need to focus less on trying to get Kyle Dunkley And try to focus on getting Zach Merritt to stay Because there is murmurings that he might Exercise free agency And that would be devastating Yeah, no is, oh, I'm, I'm... He should be captain, shouldn't he? I feel like... I mean, I'm happy with Heppel as captain, but at the same time, I'd be happy for them to offer him the captaincy. Um, Because he's the sort of player that whether he's the captain or not, he's always one of the big leaders on the field. He tries to drag the rest of the team along with him. So Yeah. Oh, good. Um, I'd be happy. I'd be happy with Zach as the captain. He's back in the leadership group this year after missing out last year. Yeah. which was just another bizarre decision um, yeah. that lots of people couldn't figure out, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and then on the flip side from that practice match, as I said last week, I'm quite bullish about Carlton. Hey, I Jack. think it's probably, it's probably the year they play finals for mine. I think no Charlie Kerner for most of the year, or if not all the year won't help, but. Ah, oh, yeah. It's not going to do much when he turns up in round 15, but like, yeah, no, I think I really like their squad. Yeah, I think I, I think, like their I like their coach, I like their game plan, I like their squad. I think the time is now, not to win it, but to play fine. Uh, that's a win for Carlton, you know. They've they've, they've suffered for quite some time. So, um, next on the agenda, I only watched half this game. Um, Geelong beat Collingwood by not much, but all I wanted to see was Hawkins and Cameron in the same forward line, and it looks good. Um, are we surprised? Not particularly. <laughs> yeah. I, I have seen one passage of play from the entire game. It was Dangerfield from the wing spotting up um, Jeremy Cameron over like three other defenders' heads, just landing it on Cameron's chest 30 metres from goal. It looked ominous. Yeah, they are going to be a problem this year. Um, and they did rest him for the second half. But um, yeah, Hollywood kept it close. Um, their new kid, Ollie Henry, um, looked really good. Um, who's probably going to be the Jaden Stevenson replacement come round one. Other than that, it was just, you know, same old Collingwood, to be honest. Um, just minus a third of racist. <laughs> yeah. And Eddie-less. Um, ah, the game everyone's waiting to hear about. 
10.30 a.m. at Witten Oval, Wednesday morning. <laughs> Hawthorne beat yeah, the Bees. Prime time. Prime time. For, oh, the way I woke up at 10.25 and groggily put on the Hawthorne website <laughs> to watch this game. Um, we played our young players and actually looked good. Have thought we didn't look slow as shit. Um, our new rookie, Connor Downey, looked really good on the wing um, because we had Tom Phillips playing in, in the uh, center midfield, which was interesting. Um, but Tommy Mitchell wasn't playing, so that was just rotating. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's another one of the Hawthorne players off that conveyor belt of uh, quick ring wingers who have, like, a 60-meter left foot. You know, your Grant Birchels and your... Um, Smith. Smith, Clinton Young back in the day. Clinton Young, there's a name I haven't thought of in a while. Yeah, he's off the mark. <laughs> um, CJ, whose name I cannot pronounce for the life of me. Um, Chris Judd. He didn't play for Hawthorne. Oh, he... <laughs> or kick on his left foot. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, Al raking a half back. Um, CJ, Court, think... Courtney Johns. He played for Essendon. I'm going to have... Blonde dreadlocks. Chang... Uh, Chris Johnson. He played for Brisbane. Uh, Chris Johnson was also a 2,000-yard um, halfback for the Tennessee Titans in 2011. What? The same Chris Johnson after he retired from the AFL? Yeah, no, he did a <laughs> good run. Um, That's this, a good effort. This gentleman's name is Changquath Jath. I'm not entirely too sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but um, he looks really good off the halfback. He'll get a lot of playing time um, because Sicily is basically nerfed for the year. Uh, yeah. But if Clarkson just decides to, you know, turn up the youth a bit, we might not win a lot of games, but I think it's the way to go because, you know, the, the 20, the early 2000s are over. You know, we can't keep playing. Well, most of them are retired, but like, I feel like Sean Bergwin's probably going to, he's going to have to get less minutes. He's almost 40. Halfway to his pensioners check. I was watching highlights, or not highlights. I was watching a match on Fox footy the other day from 2003, mm. Brisbane and Port Adelaide. Yeah. Sean Bergwin was playing. Yeah. I think that was his like second season. He's been around forever. Yeah, he's been through – we've basically been following footy his entire career. He's still going. Um, what's he been through? He's been – he's a five-time premiership winner or something ridiculous. Yeah, well, he won one at, one at Port and four at Hawthorne, didn't he? Oh, I don't think he was there in 2008. He's a four-time premiership winner. Oh, uh, yeah, true. Four, four, yep. Um. All right, that's enough of the blockbuster at Whitnoble. That could be a fun game for next week, though. Find the most obscure old player that Sean Bergwijn played against. Oh, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> degrees of Sean Bergwijn. It's like join, you know, X player from now to X player from 1994. Yeah, do you reckon we could get someone from 1897, the first year of the VFL? Six degrees. De Six degrees, not a chance. To Bergs? 
I'll say the the furthest I can think, like he can go back to you know, he played with Gavin Wanganee, didn't he? So that's like late eighties. Doesn't have to doesn't have to be played with. Could be played against. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh. So, so like if he played if he debuted in two thousand and two, who was right at the end of their career in two thousand and two? Mate, no, I was five. <laughs> That is a good. That is a good alt segment for next week, though. I reckon. Um, all right, last reveal of a practice match because um, they don't actually mean anything. St Kilda absolutely railed North Melbourne. Um, it was embarrassing. Um, in the Mason Wood revenge match, he kicked four goals to St Kilda and looked actually pretty good. Um, Jack Higgins looked good. Chip Frawley looked good. You, you remember the uh, North Melbourne number three pick, Will Phillips? Um, Not at all. He got, dra- he got drafted at number three, and he had such a bad offseason that he hasn't played in any um, preseason activity, um, which doesn't bode well um, for the start of Dable, David Noble's tenure. Indeed, it does not. What What's your analysis from the game? Was St Kilda good? Were North awful? Both? Uh, it was both. It, it was a game of the midfield where, um, like, everyone was just like, oh, Jaden Stevenson do, didn't do anything. It was like, yeah, because he's wrong end of the field, mate. Um, but St Kilda's midfield looks really good, um, despite Jaron Geary being a pretty important out. But... I think St Kilda just got some really solid ends um, this year and it might just, oh, yeah, it is preseason and they were playing North. So it's hard to take too much away from it, but it was a, a colossal belting. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's the end of my practice match review. Enough Wednesday mornings. Um if you wanted, I can jump straight into AFL previews part three. I'd love you to. Oh, hell yes. I don't have a sting for it, but you know what? I'm just going to give myself a nice round of applause. <laughs> AFL previews part three. Yeah. Let's go. We're in the top eight, folks. Finally, we've made it to some good teams. That being said, we are starting with Collingwood. <laughs> Um, Collingwood snuck into the eight and then upset the Eagles in a classic final um, and then didn't turn up to the semi-final game until halftime where Geelong um, took them to the woodshed and beat the shit out of them. Uh, they had arguably the worst off-season of all time <laughs> where they had a max mass exodus of proven AFL talent um, and bringing nothing in and Eddie stepping down, which actually might not be that bad of a thing. Um, I have absolutely nothing to say about Eddie Maguire. (laughs) Um, We all know what the outs are. Stevenson, Trelaw and Phillips. Ollie Henry, who I mentioned up the top, looks all right. Um, And probably a solid Stevenson replacement. Um, Without getting too hyperbolic, is this the team that's going to take the biggest drop? We've talked about some teams in the bottom 10 in the last couple of previews who are looking to make the leap this season. Um, And this seems like the most likely team 
um, to take a big fall. Obviously, there is a good core, albeit aging. Um, Pendlebury still top talent. Grundy, top, what are we talking, three, four Ruckman in the league? Best in the league for mine. Best in the league? All right, best in the league. Um, side bottom still around. <laughs> and they've got good, what I'll call luxury talent. Um, Elliot, Degoe. Um, but how bad could the Pies be this year? Or will they just like actually turn up? But I feel like this could be a year where it just gets cataclysmic. Like um, Adelaide after, what was it two years after the grand final bad? Just torrid. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I see it as that. Um, Maybe it's just bad, bad for them to be. Yeah, I think it's wishful thinking. Um <laughs> hope that maybe Eddie was the glue holding the whole house of cards together. Wouldn't that just be the twist of the century? And it'd be pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I um, look, I mean, obviously it could, because there are a number of those sort of younger teams coming up and biting at their heels with you. Um, Carlton's and the Bulldogs and Melbourne are always threatening to actually do something worthwhile. But at the same time, if that um, top tier talent fires, it probably won't happen. I mean, Dugowie sort of probably hasn't been in the form that he could have been in the last couple of years. So if he fires, um, then that's a huge improvement for them. Mason Cox, the same. Had a bad year last year, but was had some issues and injuries and stuff. So if they can get back to top form, um, I think Collingwood can at least keep their place and be competitive. And- I do like the arc of Mason Cox turning from um, like token American overseas player to actual uh, decent AFL footballer, um, which is, you know, exciting. Uh, exci- I say exciting, like, you know, it's actually exciting, but, you know, just good for him. Good for Mason. Yeah, if he can ever get there. Um, I'm not sure he's there yet or really even close yet. Um, I mean, he's sorry, he's close. He's close, but yeah, um, but not um, he's not turn up and out of the league in three years, kind of international. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a failed experiment. Uh, um, yeah, he's no Israel Folau or um, Harmichael. Harmichael Hunt. Yeah, Harmichael. Um, mm. Mm. Hey, hey, hey. Um, well, moving on from wishing Collingwood the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Western Bulldogs. Finishing in seventh, a solid 2020 season, led by the Bont and a good young core of supporting talent. Um, they were quite easily handled handled in their elimination final despite their late charge. I think they were down six goals at three-quarter time and then just <laughs> turned up at the last quarter. They only lost by three points, but like, I don't know, it was just the last <coughs> last quarter. Um, things are looking up for the Dogs uh, this year, especially given some very good ins. Um, they brought in, uh, fuck, what's his name? Stefan Martin to back up Tim English. Tim English is correct. Tim English. Um, so that's a solid ruck duo. You got Mitch Haddon in, Adam Trelaw in, who by all accounts looked pretty good. Um, in their preseason match. 
Um, with another year of the Bont, who I might add is in a contract year, what is the goal for this team? They've got another year of progression in-house and the addition of experience through Martin and Trelaw looks good. But what is considered a good year? And uh, bonus question, is there any chance of Bont leaving? I know he's in restricted free agent, but I'm like, can't he just... No. To, to answer your question simply, no. There's no chance that the Bont leaves. He's the captain of that club. He's a premiership player at that club. He's not leaving. Um, and I don't think there's any amount of money... A there's probably an amount of money that could tempt him to leave, but I don't think there's any amount of money that wouldn't get matched by the Bulldogs. So that takes away restricted free agency entirely, even if he wanted to yeah. um, exercise. Um, answering your main question. I mean, they obviously have the talent there. Um, they've still got the core nucleus of that 2016 premiership side. Um Obviously, adding Trelaw is could be a, a big benefit. However, there are questions over his injuries and his disposal's always been an issue. Dunkley's probably ready to take the next step um, and really explode, which would be good for the Bulldogs. English is going to be a great ruckman. Steph Martin, I'm not really sure how um, much of an addition Steph Martin is going to be, to be honest. He's pretty old now. Yeah, I don't know. He... Relative. He was a very good Ruckman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just, you know, who was the backup Ruckman for, you know, the Bulldogs last year? Uh, Josh Dunkley. That's yeah. what pissed him off. Yeah, well, well, now, you know, Dunkley will probably get to, what does he want to play, midfield? Half forward? Yeah, yeah, midfield, midfield. Yeah, that probably frees him up to actually play in the middle and probably, to be honest, takes Trelaw out of the midfield and as more of a rotational piece. Cause like, obviously with his injuries, if you play him 80% in the midfield and he's getting run out his feet and doing his hamstring every other week. Um, so Stefan Martin might actually be the piece where he's just like, well, we can free up Dunkley, which frees up Trelaw to play, you know, um, wing some middle and some you play. Does Trelaw play half forward? Uh, I think he'd be better off half back, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just another body, and they didn't lose anyone of note. So that is uh, usually a good thing, especially considering the good season that they had last year. Um, anything else on the dogs? Um, I don't think so. I think lots of the the um the factors that will influence whether they're successful or sort of will be probably around the two sort of rat bags, Liberatore and Lockie Hunter, I think are crucially important to their success. Like they obviously had good, really good 2016 seasons, which helped propel them to that flag. Um, and have been sort of up and down, had a few off the field troubles in the last few years. So if they can sort of get themselves sorted out and go um, get into a really good rhythm and form, then I think that'll go a long way towards pushing the dogs up into that eight. Jason Johannesson still around? What's Up it? further. Any good? Uh, I guess so. No idea, to be honest. Yeah, no, fair shout. All right, well, enough of the dogs. We're talking Saints. Uh, we're going to start with their ins. they got Crouch in, McKernan, Jack Higgins, and Chip Frawley. <laughs> McKernan. Hey, second Sorry. on that list. He's a very important, he's a very important player. 
Um, uh, they let Nick Hind go to Essendon. Go to Essendon. Yeah. Should know that. I did that last week. Um, I would say great year for the Saints last year um, with their first finals berth since 2011. Uh, a good breakout year for Dan Butler and a good season for the young starlet Max King. Can the Saints... Star- starlet. Young starlet. Well, is, is he technically a rookie? Because he didn't wouldn't, play... Wouldn't starlets be women? Yeah, star, star. I don't know. Starlet just flows. Um, was he up for Rising Star last year? Because he didn't play at all in 2019? I really could not tell you. And I wonder if that's sure. how that works. I know that's how that works in the NBA, but... Yeah, I think, think you've got to have played less than 10 games and be under 23. Oh, right. So, yes. Um, can the Saints maintain their position in the eight? They finished sixth last year. Um, they've lost now co-captain Jaron Geary to a fibula injury um, in the preseason and will probably miss most of the season. Um, but can this group push on to bigger and better things in 2021? Because I, I was looking through their list early today and I actually quite like it. Yeah. I mean, you say the Geary thing, but he didn't play a hell of a lot last year. Um, had that really badly broken leg last year as well. Jackie Steele. Yeah, I am really bullish on the Saints. I think, um, I think they people really have them and the Bulldogs sort of in that same bracket. I think they're superior to the Bulldogs for mine. So we, um, so they finished sixth. Are they as good or better than any of the teams above them? So what have got West Coast, Port, Brisbane, Geelong, and Richmond? I think they're probably as good as West Coast. Um, and obviously, we'll have to wait and see what sides have gone backwards, what sides have got better this year. Yeah. I think last year, the top four were clearly the top four. Yeah, sure. They're in a different, operating at a different level. And then I, yeah, I would have West Coast and St. Kilda that next rung. And then for me, I think the Bulldogs... Collingwood, Carlton, probably Melbourne. Um, that's probably maybe GWS, sort of that next seven through 12 bubble, I think. Yeah, sure. No, I, I am very, very high on the Saints this year. I hope they can <laughs> um, take it up a notch because they also have a very likable team. I really like Dan Butler. He's a good player. Is he a Ballarat boy? Yeah, Ballarat boy, Jack Steele, fun player. Um, yeah, and who have they got? Is Carlisle still around? I know he's still around, but, like, is he still around around? Yeah, I think he's dropped off a bit. I think he's had some personal issues and he's sort of yeah. – his form was questionable last year, but um, he is a footballer with a lot of talent, so you never know. Um. Yeah, no, fair shout. Um, oh, they did. I was like, did they bring in Dougal Howard? Uh, he played last year. Yeah. yeah. No, I just forgot he went there and I saw him on the roster. I was like, Dougal Howard plays for fucking um, Yoda? There you go. Um, and last team on the list, coming in at fifth, West Coast Eagles. Uh, a very strong season. Uh, very strong start to the season last year and then uh, it dropped off 
and then was topped off by a bad upset loss to the Pies in the finals. Um, they brought in Zach Langdon and Alex Witherden. Yep. Um, and they lost Tom Hickey to the Swans. Um, right. Here's my thing with the West Coast. They always seem to be a consistent finals team, literally since I was born, I feel like. Um, but yeah. do they have the talent at the moment to take them over the top to that next level? Like we were talking about the tiers of teams, like obviously the top four is the top four. And then you've got the next team, uh, like next tier. I feel like they have a very good, but quite old core with like all their big names, Sands. I don't know, is Liam Ryan a big name? No, who am I thinking of? Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly's a big name. Yeah. Um, but like your Darlings, um, your Kennedys, Hearn, McGovern. McGovern's getting it up there. Um, yeah, McGovern's getting up there. Yeah, Darling Kennedy, Hearn. Like close yeah. to 30. Like does does this team get anywhere? Like I feel like their floor is seventh. Like I feel like they have a very high floor, but also quite a low ceiling. Yeah, I agree on the low ceiling. I'm not so sure about the um, high floor. I think they're probably pretty close to the precipice in terms of falling off the edge. Um, yeah, I, I think the bubble is about to burst, similar to the way it burst for Sydney. Yeah. Um, in like the way that uh, Sydney were six, so successful for so long, but eventually it, it burst. It, it does catch um, up. It does catch up. At some point it will catch up. Yeah, and I think when that sort of almost quadruple blow comes of Kennedy, Hearn, um, who else is there? I, I don't think Darling and McGovern are quite as old, but yeah, there, there will be 30. Um, Luke Shuey. Isn't that a Nui's 30, really? Yeah, Nat Nui's 30. Luke Shuey's 30. Um, who else have they got? I'm just looking through their list. Like they've got like on that next level, like Andrew Gaff is around, Liam Ryan, Elliot Yo's pretty uh, pretty good. He's actually very good. Um, but he's getting up there. He's almost 28. Tim Kelly's probably the head of the Oh, even him's he's 26. Why do I think he was way younger? Um but on the bright side, they've got the Crips, brother. So um Crips to <laughs> what is it, Crips to West Coast twenty twenty? 2022? 2022. Woo, yeah, you heard it here first. We're breaking news on the last call podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm sure no one else has ever thought of that before. Um, no, nah, McGovern's 28. Like, he's not, he's no spring chicken. And then, uh, no, but I mean, it's still another five or six years. So, yeah, but um, I three of those are at what he's the level he's at now. And then, like, um, that's that's true. Only falling off, but they've got our boy, um, Bacchus Marsh's very own Liam Duggan, still flying around. Indeed, he is. He uh, he, he had a really good year a couple of um, couple of years ago, and I think he's dropped off a little bit since then. But I think he's still around the first team, though. Yeah, but I mean, he was like he was he was pretty good a couple of years ago, probably 2017, 2018. Oh, mate, I remember I had to tag him one time. Absolute nightmare. I got skinned. Don't you hate that? Oh, mate. 
<laughs> it was funny because I was just like, he's 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 quick and he's tough to tackle. He's probably going to make it. And you know what? He did. Um, I knew that from, you know, just playing him once in the under 12s. Um, and on that under 12s glory moment, that is uh, part three of <clears throat> the AFL previews. Come back next week for the last part of the AFL previews. And then hopefully is the week after where we jump into actual footy. Uh, there's 17 days until round one, which is exciting. Um, Get hot. Get so I'm currently, I'm currently trying to play six degrees of bacon, six degrees of burgoyne. Degrees of burgoyne. What do you got? I'm currently burgoyne starting. So I don't actually know if they played against each other, but I'm just going by the years. Um, because I haven't had time to research it in depth, but Burgoyne played in 2002, mm. as did Paul Salmon. Fish. Paul Salmon also played in 1983, as did Kevin Bartlett. Did Kevin Bartlett play? Oh my god, Kevin Bartlett, fucking old. Kevin Bartlett also played in 1965, but with Tommy Hafey, as did Ron Barassi. <laughs> Ron Barassi also played in 1953, as did Bill Hutchison for Essendon. Never heard of him. Who also played in 1942. Hutchison won three Brownlows, I think. Jesus. Um, Hutchison played in 1953, also played in 1942. So I'm getting back, but I need to elongate the Barassi-Hutchison links, I think. I found somebody that played in 1898 and 1920. So there's a 22-year span down there, but I just need to yeah, oh, lengthen it from Bartlett back to 1920 a bit if I can. That's very exciting. Well, I was, I was like, that's going to make for a great alt segment. It's just link. It, have you seen um, on social media people doing like speed runs from one topic um, completely unrelated to another topic and then seeing how fast <laughs> they can through? I haven't, but it's not a bad thing. I feel like that's what this is going to turn into. It's just like how, you know. How obscure can you get from um, Sean Burgoyne to, you know, Albert Foley, who played in uh, the original Hawthorne team in 1925? Yeah, it could become a competition between us, if you like. We can see how how fewer links we can get. Yeah, I reckon. That sounds good. All right. All right. Sean Burgoyne to 1897 for next week. Sounds good. Lock it in. Alt segment next week done. Um, do you have a rant and or multi that you would like to uh, bestow upon us? I do. Which one would you like? Um, we'll start with the lament. Ah, uh, we hate a lament. Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Wait, give me something that's... Uh, A lament I never thought I'd have to make tonight, but it's a necessary one. Aaron Finch again. 
Oh, it's I'll make it. I'll make it short. It is not uh, Finch, nor is it Maxi. It's not even a sport I particularly like. The NRL season starts in twelve days, and Cameron oh. Smith is yet to make a decision on whether he's playing this year. He's played four hundred and thirty-three games and is probably the greatest player ever to don the purple for the Storm. So he's probably earned a little bit of leeway, but this is ridiculous. The door has rightly been slammed shut by the Storm, with Craig Bellamy ruling out a return for the former skipper for the 2021 season. Smith has moved his family to the Gold Coast after staying up there in the Queensland hub for the back end of the 2020 season and has been linked to a Tom Brady-esque move to the Gold Coast Titans. The Tampa of Australia, if you will. Is Tampa the shithole of America? Oh, Florida is very much the shithole of America. That's true. I have been to Florida. Uh, But it's now March, and I'm sorry, but even for the GOAT, it's far too late to be making a decision and potentially leaving a side in limbo. Sadly for Smithy, he's now in a lose-lose situation. If he retires now, people will say he should have gone out just after winning the premiership and not strung it out this long, gone out in glory. And if he does suit up for the Titans, he risks tarnishing his legacy even further than he has by drawing this fiasco out. At least all those New South Wales and Queensland supporters will finally have a genuine reason to dislike him other than the pure jealousy they've exhibited for the past decade. Yeah, no, fair shout. Is this the uh, Dermot Brereton to Sydney equivalent? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not so much the like moving of clubs after you've played four thousand games. Like that, you can do what you like, but twelve days—that's less than two weeks. The season starts in. Yeah, I also feel like it, uh, out of all the coaches to just like you know string on and dick around with, uh, Craig Bellamy is the last probably person i would ever do that to look to be fair i'm pretty nobody really expected him to come back to melbourne considering he moved to the gold coast um so it's either retire or play well it's been rumored for literally literally since the end of last season because the storm won um the flag against what penrith 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 yeah yes yep. Ooh, he's up to date um and then they were just like yeah he's not coming back I think it was like he wants, uh, like there was a salary cap issue with Melbourne. Not surprised. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he just enjoyed the sun. and so, Like, I really don't know which way it's going to go. I get the feeling he's going to try and play and the Titans will probably let him play. Um, and it'll probably backfire horribly. He'll have an awful year and then retire and it'll just be a case of why did you bother? You yeah. could have gone out on top. Instead, you went out like this. What if he does the Tom Brady, though? What if he turns up in the shithole of the world and it's just like, hey, I'm a fucking winner, you know? Yeah, but having said that, I'm and obviously I didn't follow it hugely closely, but I would be almost, a, well, I'm just going to say it, 100% sure that Tom Brady was there on day one of preseason and motivated to take all his teammates with him. He, I'm sure he didn't rock up a week before the season started. Going, you know what? My, my arm's feeling itchy. I'm going to play. 
might might rock up this week to training. No, I'm sure uh, Tom Brady wasn't on uh, Cavill Avenue having a few beers um, the week before <laughs> the NFL season started. He prefers tequila on a boat. Yes, no, he, he and he prefers throwing around Lombardis in you know some random bay in Florida. So. As I said, it's not. I don't have an issue at all with him moving to a different club for like the last year or so of his career, especially into the nice Gold Coast sun. His family's probably enjoying it up there. I just think leaving it this late is selfish, stupid, ridiculous. Just it, it won't advantage him. It won't advantage his club. Um, it might've kept a little bit of media interest in what he's going to do, but I think people by now are just like make a decision. You reckon, you reckon it might just be a, um, I'll just string it out and then, oh, I'm, you know, a new special comments for Channel 9. <laughs> Look, I mean, I hadn't actually considered that, but that's probably not a bad take. It could be that, but I mean, I don't think, um, A, I don't think Cameron Smith would be horribly accepted as the new special comments man for Channel 9 because he is quite genuinely hated as are the storm because of how successful they've been and the salary cap stuff. And but genuinely so many people in New South Wales and Queensland hate Cameron Smith irrationally. Yeah. Well, it's because it's, it's, it's the fact that it was the cheating. It was the fact that we were so successful and it was the fact that it's in a market that actually does not give two and a half shits about rugby, which is wild. I think (laughs) we have one of the most successful NRL teams in history and everyone around Melbourne, any fucking uh, like I was about to say linebacker. What what are they front rowers? Do they have yeah. front rowers? Could walk down um, Olympic Avenue right now, and I'd be like, oh, that's a big dude. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's just even in my work newsletter that goes around every week, our boss throws shade at the Melbourne Storm most weeks, <laughs> accuses them of buying titles and. Uh, but that's all right. I mean, when you do have um, Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, Greg Inglis, and Cooper Cronk on the same team, you probably could have guessed that, you know, something was going on under the table, uh, cooking some books, you know? Quite possibly. Yeah, it, it really didn't take a fucking rocket scientist. Uh, well, all was- right, it's, t- it's time for some better news. It's time for the multi. <laughs> is, is this better news? I'm going to have to up the... Oh, I'm going to get so many Bruce things now. A special. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go through Bruce's highlights and just add them to the soundboard. Um, so we will touch quickly on last week's multi. Shockingly, didn't get up. Oh. Um, we were robbed. At Angel Jimenez P. Genel... Um, robbed us in the handball in whatever country we were in. Oh, I had serious money. Uh, yeah, paying a dollar thirty-three, they couldn't get the job done. Hey, what's the point? Just don't even turn up. Dollar thirty-three, just win your game. Yeah. Mm, Itaz Trentino beat the Berlin recycling team. Oh, we went not in the volleyball. The Adelaide Crows beat St Kilda. Uh, in the AFLW victory got beat by the Western United Western United scored in the 95th minute 
I thought you were doing the Wellington game. I saw, I watched the Wellington game. I was like, oh, the victory got up. The leg no, got was, up. No, it was, it was Western United. They oh. fell 4-3 to the uh, the Western United, sadly. Yeah, so the, the multi did not get up. The Bursart Barisha team? Is he still around? I don't think he's still around, surely. Oh, he's still playing for the Western United. Oh, he is. There you go. Anyway. In better news, this week's multi cannot lose. And I say that oh. in hope because it's only paying $3.48. What have we got? Two legs? <laughs> Four legs. Four legs paying $3. Woof. And 48 cents. Oh, that must be... <laughs> So I know I've said this before, but more than any other multi, put the mortgage on it. It cannot miss. Mate, I've got fucking uh, bookies down in my lobby with baseball bats. I can't walk out the front of my house now. Well, put take everything you own. Take your hat and glasses and podcast equipment to a pawn shop because by this time next week, we will be rich. <laughs> If I do that and you don't hear um, another podcast for the rest of our life, you know exactly how the multi ended up. <laughs> I'll provide a quick update to the listeners. Don't worry. Yeah. We regret to inform you that this is a solo podcast this week. <laughs> because I assume Jamal's still alive, but I haven't heard from him because he's lost all his tech. So I'm awaiting a letter in the post. Yeah, and you know, all my knees, my knees will be in three different packages to um, different states in the country. Anyway, first leg. We're going to uh, the thriving metropolis of India for the cricket. Fourth test, we are on the home side after what they did to England, pulled their pants down. We're on India to take it 3-1. Are we barracking for England? Yes, but our money is with India. That's the key to a successful multi. Separate the heart from the head. Yeah, all right. Dollar forty. Mm. Uh, I really hope this is wrong. I've written down that we're on Richmond to beat North Melbourne in the AFLW, but I'm pretty sure we're on North Melbourne to beat Richmond in the AFLW this weekend. Okay. Paying a dollar twelve. I was like, Richmond win one game in 18 months and suddenly we're on the Tigers bandwagon? <laughs> Riddle me that. No, no, no. North Melbourne to beat Richmond in the AFLW. Richmond are coming off their first ever win, but uh, it will be a false dawn. North Melbourne will dispatch of them handily. It will be an absolute smashing for the AFLW. The margin could get to double digits. Uh, the third leg, we are going to the America's Cup for 2021 and we are on Team New Zealand. America's Cup. Uh, is that sailing? Sailing. You. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the modern sailboats, but the boat isn't actually in the water. They've got these, these sort of long poles down the side. They almost look like... Um, bowling alley like gutter rails like bumpers yeah bumpers attached to the side of the boat and they sit in the water and the boat just flies along over the water what's the point call well me. this is call me yeah, this is but uh 
This is Dad's complaint as well. Dad's also not happy about the vote. Are we surprised? Um, well, that's because it's not how they did it in 1938. I've started. I've started calling him Chapelli or Chapelled, Dean Chapel. I'm sure he doesn't like it, but also I feel like you know he doesn't like it when the iPhone gets a new upgrade every six months. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a dollar forty-eight on Team New Zealand, mm. and then for the fourth leg, I take you to the UFC two hundred and fifty-nine that is occurring Saturday night. And the reason we're heading here is because this fight has the two most white boy-sounding names I have ever heard in it: uh, Will Jax and Dan Christian. It's pretty close. <laughs> Sean Brady. To, to defeat Jake Matthews. Lineman for the Atlanta Hawks. No, Atlanta Falcons. Two very, very basic white boys. We're on Sean Brady to win the Battle of the Albino. Win the Battle of uh, America. Win the Battle of the... The, 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 the Ku Klux Battle. Woof. Uh, $1.50 Sean Brady is paying to annihilate... Jake the fake Matthews. Ooh, Jake the fake. Get him. Uh, $3.48. The multi is paying. As I said, cannot miss. Well, I am currently on my uh, ANZ account right now and I'm taking out a mortgage. Um, I will keep you updated next week. Take out two. Yeah, let me get a second one. <laughs> Anytime you hear a second mortgage um, referenced in a TV show or a movie, it's undoubtedly positive. Yeah. Invariably positive. Oh, nothing ever. It's a great idea for a reason, especially in the gambling, uh, the gambling context. Yeah, nothing bad has ever happened by taking out a second mortgage, mortgage, ex- especially when it includes putting it on the line. You know, it's not to get a second house; it's to double your investment. Almost quadruple, three and a half times your investment. It's value that is off the charts. Yeah. Oh, it's um, a blue chip investment if I ever saw one. Very, very low risk. I'll say that's how blue chip investments work. Yeah. Um, fuck yeah. What are we up to? Would you like to go to my alt or the who am I? Nah, let's go your alt. Let's get it. All right. I would like the cricket sting again, please. Ooh. Trevor Chapel. Old segment. Come on, bring in the horns again. Oh, it, all right. They just write um, out the strings. There it is. Yeah, there. Just old segment for the week. Um, all right. I have looked into my crystal ball for the 2021 World T20 International World Cup in India in October and had a go at selecting my 18 man squad and also my best 11. Um, just a pre warning if uh, Ben Dwarshus is not in this squad, you will not hear the rest of this podcast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.
And thank you for listening. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yes, please. Uh, so, so where are we starting? We're starting at 18. So we're going 11, uh, 18 and then 1 to 11. There's no, it's not really in a, an order of first picked, last picked, but I will, I mean, actually I can take you, I sort of picked it almost in batting order. So there'll be lots of bowlers towards the bottom. I should, ha- however, say that controversially, the last man picked in the 18 man squad. Aaron Finch. Stephen Peter Devereaux Smith. Devereaux? I almost didn't pick Steve Smith. Wow. All right. Steve Smith at 18. Um, 17, we have Josh Philippe, also known as Philippe. Philippe. 16, Kane Richardson. 15, Ben McDermott. 14, Mitch Marsh. 13, Riley, 150K Meredith. Uh, 12, we got Jai Richardson. 11, Adam Zampa. 10, Ashton Agar. Number nine, Pat Cummins. Eight, Mitch Stark. Seven, Davey Warner. Six, Daniel Sams. Five is the big Hulk, Marcus Stoinis. Four, Matthew Wade. Three is uh, Glenn, 2.5 mil Maxwell, who I've also got as vice captain. Got a few players away. Keeps going. At number two, I've got Alex Carey, stiff not to be vice-captain. And at one, I have the big dog, Aaron Finch. So notable omissions, I guess, would include um, AJ Ty. Yeah, Marnus. Marnus isn't there. Chris Lynn isn't there. Um, Despite being the leading run scorer in the Big Bash. Um, Jason Berendorf isn't there. Tanvir Sanger. Darcy Short, those three are all over in New Zealand with the T20 squad currently. Um, I know he's actually 85 years old, but is Dan Christian anywhere near the team? I th- yeah, I think he is. And to be honest, I forgot about him and I might almost have him in. No, I know My you hope- would, but would realistically an Australian selector select a 38-year-old, what is he, all-rounder? Yeah, I think especially in the uh, for a T20 World Cup, I think he definitely would and have a look at him. Um, I, I think I probably didn't go with him in the squad because there's so many medium pace slash quick bowling all rounders. Yeah. Um, all, almost already too many, as we will see when we get to the eleven. You got for um, one. Um, Ashton Agar's a spinner, yeah. Ashton Agar, yeah, left arm off spinner. Yeah. All right. Bats quite well, fields really well. I think the duck the other night would uh, argue otherwise. Yeah, it was one bad day. Um, yeah, all right. So, and then getting to my best 11, I had a couple of goes at this because um, I kept finding myself leaving really, really good players out. Um, for me, and this is going to sound... Uh, biased which you you will see coming from a mile away but for me there are only there's probably four players i think that pick themselves 
can in I the guess, 11. Can I guess your four players that absolutely pick themselves? Yeah. Well, obviously, Aaron Finch, captain. No. No, doesn't. Obvious. All right. Well, Maxwell's one of them. Maxwell is one of them. Paddy Cummins. No. Not Paddy. Oh, shit. I've left Cummins out. Didn't you say Cummins? Oh, in the. Oh, other... He's in the squad. He's in the squad. Oh, uh, Stoyan. No. Stoyan. Danny Sams? No. Oh, my God. All right. Well, ignore me then. <laughs> I, I think the four that pick themselves are Maxwell. Alex. Um, Alex Carey. Yeah, on the board. Mitch Stark. Mm. Yeah. And, Z- and Zampa. I didn't hear Schwepper in that list, did I? No, he's not there, but I don't think he's going to be fit. He's got a fractured neck. He may never play again. Oh, my God. When did that happen? Um, oh, it came out about a week ago. Jeez. Having said that, I don't think Swepson's in my top couple of spinners. I think Zampa's better in limited overs. I think Agar's better in limited overs. And I think, um, well, Maxwell bats if you want that third spinner. He might never play again. Possibly not. I mean, he might, but there is some doubt just because of the nature of the injury. Like, fractured neck. Never hear. Bowling Schwepper. Bowling Schwepper. Never again. Um, Hate to hear it. God, I'm gonna gonna need to almost gonna need to revamp my eleven again because I don't have Pat Cummins in the eleven. But from the top, I think. Um, I'd like to see them open with Alex Carey. If if only because he's very consistent and stable. And if we've seen anything for that, these last two T20 games, um, some of our top order batsmen have a tendency to collapse. Oh, I didn't hear Matty Wade either. Yeah, Wade was there. Was he? He was in a squad, yep. Oh, fuck. Missed that. Just before, in between the Hulk and Maxi. Ah. Um. So I would like Alex Carey at the top of the order. Obviously, he's the wicketkeeper. Mm. Um, Who's our wicketkeeper at the moment? Philippi. Uh, no, Matty Wade's been keeping. Ah, but no Philippi is a wicketkeeper as well. No longer at... Uh, what, is, what, what the fuck does he... He playing the test, like silly mid-on? <laughs> yeah. Silly shortly. short leg or whatever the fuck it was? Yeah. Anyway, Just anywhere, anywhere he's close enough to the batsman to annoy them. Yeah. Um, yeah, carry at the top, really consistent, really good flow, flowing batsman. Mm. Um, is also a left-hander, which could um, come in handy because lots of the middle order and top order are right-handers. So it's nice to have that um, combination of the left-right-hander. Having said that, I've got another left-hander as his opening partner in David Warner. <laughs> You're like, oh, left-hander is a bit different. I'm like, oh, as if he doesn't have a David Warner opening right now. Well, um, three through seven are all right-handers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got Warner as the opening. Provided he's fit and recovered from his groin injury, he is d- destructive and just an incredible batsman, especially at that level. Yeah. Um, and then this is probably the controversial pick. Number three, I can only find room for one of Steve Smith or Aaron Finch. Though I might... Um, open that out a bit and say I can only find room for two of Warner or Finch. Mm. Uh, Sorry, Warner, Finch or Smith. 
So it will probably come down to who's in form in those warm-up games. Um, based on current form, obviously, Finch is really struggling. So I'd go Carey, Warner, Smith as the top three. Yeah. Um, but if Finch gets back into form, I'd be happy with Carey, Finch, Smith. Or to be honest, I'm not convinced Smith picks himself in the T20 side like he does in the test side, obviously, and the one-day side. Yeah, right. Um so I, I wouldn't be outraged if they didn't pick Smith in the T20 side. I'll say, but you said um, in the first half of the podcast that um, the Australian selectors were unequivocally backing Aaron Finch for the selectors, uh, for the captaincy, which obviously means he's in the squad. What are the chances that they backflip on that? No, but I mean, so the way I picked the squad, I had the same. I picked Finch as the captain. But I just wouldn't be unequivocal. And I hope they're not unequivocal in saying, yes, we're going to back you in to get to India and be the captain of that squad. But if you don't start making runs, you're not automatically picked in the side. Right. Because nobody should be automatically picked in the side, right? Especially when you've got um, a side with such experienced captaincy in it. Alex Carey's captain the strikers for years. Glenn Maxwell's almost the best T20 captain in the world and has captained the stars for years. Mitch Marsh has captained the scorchers. Um and then obviously either S- S- Smith and Finch are both captain Australia slash. Sorry. So yeah, if Finch is out, then Smith's captain Australia. So yeah, sure. Um, uh, yes, I'm backing Finch in to be the captain of the squad and go over there as the captain. But if he doesn't start making runs, then I'm not picking him solely on being the captain because there are other captaincy candidates in that order. So that if, are in better form. If he, let's say he doesn't make anything past, let's say 20 for the rest of the series, he goes over. Does he make the squad if he's not the captain? Um, like, cause probably I, not. I'll say, probably I'm not sure you're pretty bullish on Maxwell um, being a captain or even Carey. Um, but like if one of those two is captain, Finch doesn't make it on form shortly. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, look, We've been saying how bad a form he's been. And yes, he has been for the last couple of months. He had an awful big bash. But if you go back to the start of the summer, the, that first one day against India, he made 100, big 100. And then the next two one days, he made 80 and 70, I think. Yeah. So it's not as if he hasn't made runs for years. He's yeah. just had like a, a couple of months where he struggled. Um, and then if you actually go back through his big bash dismissals, I think... He um, played a, a lovely leg glance off the middle down the leg side that went to the wicket keeper, which happens at one in a hundred. Yeah. He got run out off the bowler's fingers at the non-striker's end, which is the worst way you can possibly go out. Except um, with Adam Zampa's nose. Um, so he had like, yes, he's been in bad form, but he has been a little bit unlucky. So a bit of bad luck. Yeah. I was like, Even if you rooting for him. <laughs> If, if he wasn't currently captain, I still think I'd probably send him in the squad, but he probably wouldn't be first picked in the 11 yeah. currently. But he's got the runs in the bank. He's a really good captain. All the boys love him. Um, but as I said, yeah, he's not an automatic pick, and I think you can fit two of those three, Warner, Smith, Finch. Sure. I, I don't mind seeing Smith miss. Because I love, I remember when Warner first came to the team, everyone was just like, not made for test cricket because he would just whack around the ball and be far too aggressive. Um, and I feel like this is more his realm. 
Yeah, and I mean, it also breeds um, like competition and desire to do well. Obviously, you don't want an environment where guys are afraid of losing their spots. Yeah. But it's pretty. It's healthy to have other guys, like really good players, not getting a game, nipping at your heels. So you've got incentive to like work hard and try. Well, that's the thing. If you're, you know, um, Aaron Finch, you're sure you're in the squad or you're a captain, but then you're just like, oh, Steve Smith, one of the best batsmen in the world, is right behind me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to be even more true when we get down our bowling order and realize that I haven't selected Patrick Cummins. Oh, mate, um, when you've selected, who am I thinking of? I don't know, Riley Meredith over, ah, oh, Meredith. Uh, well, go on, number four. <laughs> we'll get there. Maxwell's at four. Yeah, fair shout. Um, best fielder in the world, can bowl a little bit of off spin if required, and on his day is the best batsman in the world. I know he's not the best batsman in the world um, consistency-wise or... Um, stats wise or anything but he can do things that no other batsman in the world can do mate he's gonna be bowling like murally on those pitches that yeah well that's the other thing big spinning pitches the um the converse to the big spinning pitches is the fact that the grounds are really small in india and lots of those subcontinent players play spin really well yeah so for just a, a um quite a generic off spinner he may go for a bit yeah, sure. But but you're right. Bowling on subcontinental pitches, he will be really good. Is he going to be um, able to bat on them though? Like, there's obviously the, as you said, the converse to average spinners like Joe Root going five for eight off six overs is the fact that world class batsmen get done by Joe Root. Yeah, Maxwell's just about the best player of spin in the country. Amazing. Um, which so, is yeah. why. We play on roads down here. Which is why I'm pretty sure all of his six test matches have been played in Asia. Um, and why an Indian side just paid two and a half million dollars for him for six weeks. Cause yeah, he, um, he plays spin unbelievably well. Yeah. All right. Good. Number five. Uh, we've got the Hulk at five. Stoin. Stoin. Um, I mean, look no further than what happened Thursday. Yeah. Nice. Um, big hitter, big, big boy. Could very easily open the batting as well. Opens the batting in the big bash, obviously, but does like to take a couple of balls to get himself in. So um, I think he's the perfect blend of, at number five, he's the perfect blend of willing to play himself in and knock it around if the team's in trouble, but also destructive and strong enough to go from word dot if he comes in at um, three for 190. Um, Number six, Mitch Marsh. I... uh, tried really hard to like leave him out a couple of weeks ago when I gave my side for the first T20 in New Zealand, but he just keeps delivering. Like he was really good in the big bash. He was really good in that first T20 against New Zealand. Yeah. Um, Especially, especially if he's back bowling by then, which he should be. He's an underrated bowler in limited overs cricket. I think. Why is he not bowling at the moment? Uh, He injured him. I reckon he did his side in one of the big bash games. Yeah. And only he missed a few games and only just got back for the last couple as a batsman. Yeah, sure. Um, but by October, I would expect him to be back bowling as well. So he squeezes himself in. Number seven is Daniel Sams. Fair shout. Um, as I said earlier, I think he's cemented his spot for now, at least. He's um, almost won Australia a couple of games at the bat. He bowls really well, bowls well at the death, got a good slower ball. He's a really good fielder as well, which is. Um, 
a really, really important part of T20 cricket and in a T20 World Cup, like you look through that batting order, I've just gone through. Warner is a really good fielder. Both Smith and Finch are really good fielders. Maxwell's the best fielder in the world. Stoinis is a very good fielder, as is Mitch Marsh, as is Daniel Sams. And then we move to number eight, another one of the best fielders in the world, Ashton Agar. Um, it's amazing that we do games with all these best players in the world. <laughs> Best fielders in the world, though. Like, Australia has long been considered one of the best fielding sides in the world. Yeah, uh, look no further than Jordan Silk. Yeah, Jordan Silk's almost good enough to be in the Australian side just on his fielding. Is that a thing? Can you just get it on? Like, he's a, he's no, a no, you can't. You can't. But, I mean, if there was a form of cricket to play a professional fielder in, it's T20. Because they can save you 20 runs in the outfield and get a couple of wickets that... Yeah, he's fucking salmon leap over the boundary and then just, you know. Yeah. He, he's, he makes fielding exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ashton Agar, number eight. I think if it's not in the subcontinent, he's probably not such an automatic pick. But in India, I think you need to play two spinners. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he can bat as well as a spinner. Yeah, sure. Sees him get the nod. Number nine... Is probably now that I think about, is probably a toss up between Jai Richardson and Pat Cummins. Um, what is what does Jai Richardson have over Pat Cummins other than that funky little sidestep that he did that one time? <laughs> He's played a lot more T Twenty cricket in the last few years. Cummins has barely played a T Twenty match at all. Um, hasn't really played Big Bash other than maybe one game here or there, and then hasn't very played too much. Busy. He's busy winning uh, games for the Test team, so. Yeah, yeah, like it's um, absolutely excusable and understandable. But I think T20, despite what lots of people and you think that it's not hugely tactical and quite easy to slip into, I think actually having that T20 nous and the experience and having played in lots of different situations and especially as a bowler, having bowled at the death in lots of those different situations um, is pretty invaluable experience. That's true, but also I just think of like what happens when Paddy Cummins bowls his, you know, consistent line and length for four overs. Like I watched him play um, that New South Wales game versus Victoria and all he did was just plug it on the same fucking spot and like bowled four maidens in a row. Like as if you don't have Pat Cummins in the team just to bowl four maidens in a row. Yeah, and if he could, you would. But if you bowl... 24 balls in the same spot in a T20. Batsmen aren't going to just pay respect to the four overs and let it go for four maidens. They're going to find ways to score off it. So, like, are you telling me Pajara isn't in the T20 team? Um, <laughs> interestingly, while I'm going through the rest of this lineup, look up Pajara's first trip to Australia in the test side. I think his first. I don't know whether it's his first innings or first hundred in Australia came at a rapid pace. Before he became the wall, he used to be the slingshot. Slingshot. Wow. Let's say 2018. Um, But yeah, and it's another good problem to have. And I would probably be pretty happy with any two of Richardson, Cummins, Stark, Meredith. Yeah. Um, I'd probably like to have either Cummins or Stark in the side. I'd, just for that experience factor, you wouldn't have, want to have Meredith and Richardson together, I don't think. Mm. 
Though having said that, they've both played a lot of Big Bash over the last few years when Stark and Cummins haven't because of test and international commitments and stuff. That's true. Like I, I like, I know Stark did have a bit of a uh, form issue in the test side and I feel like his bowling definitely lends itself to more limited overs. Um, <laughs> limited overs play just because he has had injuries and he, he just fangs it. He's got an absolute weapon of a left arm. Yes. Yeah, Stark is a, a great bowler in limited overs cricket, especially T20 cricket. Um, as soon as he gets that white ball in his hand, he's dangerous. He swings it. He swings it fast. Um, and he can, he can bat, he can hit it. Yeah. Uh, no, just, just an update on Pajara. I don't think I found the one because in the 2018, 19 India tour of Australia in the second innings, he went, 24 off 103. And then in the third test went 106 off 330. Yeah, no, that's uh... a strike rate of 33. <laughs> no, his, his first tour here was like um, to... 20, 2014, I think, when they came out. Oh, 2014. Oh, yeah. I forget. 20... 2013, 2014. Um, um, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I could be remembering it wrong, but I'm pretty sure he scored 100 and like 110 balls. Pajara in 2014, 18 of 64. <laughs> oh, Chris, Pro- Chris Rogers played in this match. Um, MS Donny. Ah, Yadav. 2014. Oh, my goodness. Shane Watson. Anyway, go on. What are we up to? Ten. Well, there's a there's a Chiteshwar Pajara, two hundred off three hundred and forty one balls. That's not hugely fast. You're kidding? Um, flying at his pace. Yeah, striking at almost sixty. Oh God! Don't rush, Chiteshwar. 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 Um. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. I've I've just got this uh, really on my mind now. I, I'm obsessed with Chiteshwar Pujara. Not in not us in India. Stupid computer. Um. Like, yeah. So I think who? What would your two fast bowlers be out of Jai Richardson, Mitch Stark, Pat Cummins, and Riley Meredith? I think Jai Richardson, um, probably more experienced. Oh, um, actually, Meredith's 24, isn't he? Has he been around for that long? He's been playing Big Bash for probably three or four years now. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd, I'd take Richardson just because he has that um, Australian experience. And I'd probably take Stark. Because you've got yeah, what? Marsh is a right-hander as a bowler, isn't he? Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, Stoinis bowls uh, medium, well, fast medium. Mitch Marsh bowls fast medium. Daniel Sams bowls left arm fast medium. Yeah, I, I think Stark adds just variation and he just fangs it. Like, Meredith also fangs it, but he's right handed. And Stark's just one of the better bowlers just in the world. Um, obviously, recent form. Like, he's been overshadowed by Cummins and Hazelwood, especially in the test team. But, like, still a great bowler. Um, 
So yeah, I'd probably have Richardson and Stark, and then I assume we've got Zamper at eleven. Uh, yes, yeah. So that was mine. I said Richardson and Stark, and then Zamper at eleven. Not Kane. Uh, not Kane. Kane. Kane is in the squad. Um, yes, best. I. I mean, I. I'm surprised he's still in the side, to be honest. But I have always rated Kane Richardson. I think. Um, I think he's a very good bowler, but I, I think Jai has probably gone past him. Cummins and Stark have always been past him. Well, that's the thing. I was just like, I've like, obviously, I don't follow cricket like you do but i'm just like well kane richardson i feel like he's like number seven you know on fast bowlers that you could just literally just chuck in the team like maybe yeah, possibly probably he's high. probably a little bit higher than that in the t20 ranks yeah oh 100 for t20 but even like what with stark and cummins literally all forms um and i'd bowl what did I say before? I'd bowl Jai Richardson over Kane. I'd bowl... I'd really like Danny Sams as a bowler. Did AJ Ty make your team? He was... No, he was an unlucky omission from the squad. From the, like, three games that I watched AJ Ty play. I really like AJ Ty. Maybe it was the one-day series. Yeah, I think he he's one of those bowlers that... Um, is inconsistent. Like he mixes it up a, a lot and bowls slower balls and bowls um, some quicker balls. But I think once you figure him out, he's quite easy to hit. Yeah. I do um, slower ball fiasco of 50, uh, the 50 other games. But, also, uh, also after, after what he did to James Vince, denying him that hundred, he should just be banished. <laughs> it's just a dick move. He's going to get the Cameron Bancroft treatment. <laughs> Cameron Bancroft made a uh, made a hundred in the Sheffield Shield this week. Does he play for Queensland? Western Australia. No, same shit. Um, Peter Hanscom made a gritty hundred to save the game and get a draw for Victoria. Um, Cameron Green made a double hundred. Tra- uh, sorry, not a double hundred. That was the week before in club cricket. Cameron Green made a hundred. Travis Head made a double hundred. Jeez. Um, Moses Enriques made a hundred. No, it doesn't matter when we're not playing Test cricket until what December. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 November probably or December. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, yeah, it's it's all well and good to put up these scores now, but you know what? Travis Head, do it against India on our home turf, yeah. Not making yeah, eight. I think I think Travis Head is dis- sadly one of those batsmen that's in between the level of Shield cricket and Test cricket. Mm. I think he's too good for Shield cricket, but not quite good enough for Test cricket. Yeah, no, that's how I feel about uh, ooh, Matthew Short. That's a name. S- speaking of players, if we've played against, I played school cricket against him once. Matty Short. Yeah, he made uh, 94 for the Bush Rangers the other day in the Shield. I was watching one of the Shield games and Victoria were getting absolutely slammed. Was that this week? I think so. I was watching. Yeah, that was was against New South Wales. Um, 
Victoria got bowled out for 190 odd in the first innings, and New South Wales made three. It might have been 140, and New South Wales made 360. But then Victoria batted again, and Hanscom made 124 now, and it was a draw. Oh, good. You love to say it. We love. So they didn't. They didn't lose. Well, they, <laughs> I was say they're playing against a, a relatively Australian team. New South no, Wales. Smith and Stark didn't play this one. How so it was, a, it was a weaker New South Wales side than they played last week. I'll say last week they were playing, you know, Stark, Cummins, Lyon, Smith. Smith. Um, who else yeah. On Enrique's Abbott. Yeah, that's that's basically, you know, Australia's winning yeah. team. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. So from my uh, squad that are unlucky not to make the eleven. Obviously, one of Warner Smith Finch, Matty Wade, mm, um, yeah, and then yeah, Riley Meredith, Ben McDermott. I think is stiff. He had a really good big bash. Kane Richardson, Josh Phillippe. If he makes runs in the next three games, it's going to be really hard to leave him out. But I feel like Matty Wade's at the point where he's just going to start, just not being included. He'll be included in the squad, but he's just. Um, so that so that already happened for Matty Wade. Like he had his run in the test side and the one day side, and then he sort of fell out of form and out of favor and stopped getting picked. But then he started playing shield cricket. He stopped wicket keeping for Tasmania mm. and just playing as a batsman and just started making unbelievable bulk runs to the point where they couldn't not pick him. Yeah. Um, and then he started making heaps of runs for Hobart in the T20. So he got back in the T20 side as well. Um. Yeah, uh, I don't know. He just, he just seems to make an average amount of runs. It's like Travis Head. Like Travis Head would make, you know, 20 to 35 runs, but like, then what? It's not like they were doing terribly bad. Yeah, and I think they had similar problems, both of them, to be honest. Um, Travis, They both kept getting out the same way. Travis Head kept getting out just hanging the bat outside off stump and nicking it to a slip. Um, and Matty Wade kept getting out, at least this test series, being overly aggressive. Um, he had a, like he, he got, he played aggressive for a couple of balls and got them away and then played a really rash, stupid shot and hit it straight up in the air. Yeah. No, uh, well, we'll see. But I feel like Matty Wade's at a point where he'll just start fading out of the team. Which I hate because yeah. I love Matty Wade. Yeah, probably. But I mean, there, there has to be someone better to replace him. I guess he's already out of the test side. I don't have him in the T20 side. So yeah, he will, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Well, and that was uh alt segment cricket. Indeed it was. A, a very uh, far look into the 2021 World Cup cricket team. I, re- I reckon you'll do that list in a couple of months and it'll be completely different. <laughs> well, I'm not sure it'd be completely different. I, I mean, I doubt I'll have Chris Rogers and Matt Renshaw opening the batting in the T20 side, but Mate, I reckon may be... Jason Crazier might get a game. Ooh, Nathan Horitz. Mm, ooh. Mark Cosgrove. Cosy made 120 in club cricket last week. Back to his destructive best. Mate, I reckon I can make a 120 at club cricket. Give me, give me four days. I'll make a couple hundred runs. 
you keep going at cricket 19, you might be in my T20 side for the World Cup. Yeah. Uh... All right. It's who am I time. Hey. I'm nervous. Do is there a segment that the who thing gets used by, or is that just a random sting throughout? No, that used to be uh, players I haven't thought of. Ah, oh, right, right, right. Who? Thanks, Snoop. Right. Yes, Snoop. Well, get get ready to use it. Actually, you might get this one. It's not that hard. Uh, it's pretty I hard. I doubt it. I doubt it. I reckon at the, mm, you might get it at two. Five uh, points. We're back to footy. Back to footy. <laughs> this is a ridiculously hard five points. I, I was drafted by the Essendon Football Club in 2003 and played five games in my debut season, being used predominantly as a key defender. 2003? Essendon Football Club. So started in the 2004 season. Right. Adam McPhee. Oh, a great... Oh, great guess. Wrong, but great guess. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to think of utility players because I'm... I assume he moves from being a key defender. Four points. I became a mainstay in the 2005 Essendon side, earning a rising star nomination and missing only one game in the 2006 season. Eventually, however, I found myself on the outer as the club recruited the powerhouse Mel Michael from Brisbane and Paddy Ryder cemented his spot in the side. Yeah, this is tough. Fuck, who? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like old Essendon Ruckman. Um, like key players back in the day. Because uh, it wasn't Dusty. Dusty was a mainstay. Nah, next one. Three points. I managed just 49 games at the Bombers before being delisted. However, received a second chance when I was picked up by the Dockers in the 2007 draft. Is it too early? No, it's not Zach Clark. Zach Clark went the other way. Um, what did you say, Dockers? Why am I thinking Dean Solomon? It's not Dean Solomon, though Dean Solomon did go from Essendon to Freer. He was small, though, wasn't he? He was like a back yeah, guitar. And played long before that. He was in the 2000 Premiership, I'm pretty sure. Uh. Two points. At 199 centimetres tall, I was used mainly as a forward by the Dockers, kicking 73 goals in my 68 games for the club, including being the club's leading goal kicker in 2011. Leading goal kicker. And from the Dockers, no, went from the Dons to the Dockers and went from a key defender to basically a key forward. Uh, One point. One point. An ACL injury forced me to retire at the end of 2014, having played 117 games and kicking 87 goals across my two clubs. 
though I'm perhaps best known for my rather hunchback-like look, as well as having the distinction of being the only ever AFL slash VFL player with my first name. I have no idea. Who is it? I am Kepler Bradley. <laughs> Kepler Bradley. Wow, that is a deep pull. That is a very for some reason. Did he play full back? He was a key defender at Essendon, apparently. Defender. Good grief. I remember, yeah, I remember him as a Ruckman forward. He back. Wow, he's old. Fun fact, he's 35, I think. Jeez. Fun fact, I also found his name on a list of top 10 Fremantle cult icons. He was number two. What, behind Zach Dawson? <laughs> uh, probably close it. Let me find it. Um, Jeez, that's a good list. Top Fremantle cult icons. Yeah, we'll see how many you've heard of. Here's the second alt segment. Um are these the worst lyrics of all time? Why is nobody talking about Nickelback lyrics? <laughs> um, here we go. Who are the Fremantle Dockers all-time biggest cult figures? Have you heard of Clinton Wolf? No. Uh, just four appearances, um, but never forgotten by some diehard Dockers fans. Wolf is famous for the tribunal defense of, I was too uncoordinated to hit the bloke. <laughs> I think it's what Jonathan Brown said after his CTE set in. Number nine is Kingsley Hunter. I remember Kingsley Hunter. X. Geelong player, wasn't he? Uh, no, that's Kent Kingsley, I think. King, yeah, all right. Makes sense. Never heard before, of Kingsley Hunter then. Before, before Quinton Lynch was leading out from a WA side's forward line with a glove, Hunter was doing it in style. Quinton Lynch? woo he uh, he kicked seven of the team's nine goals in a hundred point loss against the Pies at Victoria Park in 1997. Jesus. Next, we go to Dion Woods. Don't remember Dion Woods. 59 appearances between 2001 and 2005. Nope, no idea. What about Scott Thornton? I remember Scotty Thornton. X Blue. No, that's Brett Thornton. What? Ah, anyway, go on. I'm going to look up um, Thornton. He was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2004. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, oh, yeah, I remember. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> People also search for Dion Woods and Kepler Bradley. <laughs> he, uh, he... Number six is Winston Abraham. People also search for Winston Abraham. Is the next one Clive Waterhouse? Uh, no. Uh, would you like the complete list of players to have won both Mark of the Year and Goal of the Year in the AFL era? Is it Winston Abraham? Michael Mitchell, Tony Modra, Matthew Lloyd, and Winston Abraham. I've probably never heard of Winston Abraham in my entire life. Me neither. 38 games before he moved to the Kangaroos. The fact that he's on the same list with Matty Lloyd and Godra... He had to be doing something right. Number five is Andrew Wills. Uh, no idea. Um, 
Yeah, no, no, nothing really notable. Number four, Matthew Burton. Appears to be a double glove boy. Double glove boy. He's the the tallest player to have reached the highest level at that point in AFL history. I think uh, 210 centimetres. So Sandalands is probably a centimetre taller, is he? Yeah, Sandalands 211. I remember that. He flew for the very first ever ruck tap in Dockers history. Good for him. A tall boy. Um, number three is Scott Chisholm. Also, uh, people also search for. <laughs> his uh, nickname was the Prince of Pockets due to his revealing of his links to the British royal family. No. So not, not doing good work in the forward pocket or anything? No. Important to AFL football? Number two is uh, Kepler Bradley. A king. Allegedly. The only the only Kepler to ever play AFL VFL football. He might be the only Kepler, as far as I'm concerned. Went went at number six in the national draft. Ah, it's a bit embarrassing. Bit of a mess. And would you like to guess number one based on your Google recommendations? Well, we've got so it's not Clive Waterhouse. Kingsley Hunter used to play for Hawthorne. <laughs> when? Wow. Um, oh, is it Jeff Farmer? <laughs> it is not the Wiz. It is, in fact, Clive Waterhouse. It is. He is number one. This man needs no introduction. He Clive, does not. Clive warranted his own separate chapter when Matt Price wrote his book about Fremantle's history in 2003. He's he's literally on the AFL cult figure Fridays. Ah, oh, what a king, Clive. Ah, oh. is he re- is he related to Tom? Though? That's literally what I've been thinking this entire time. Like any relation to Tom, Clive's from England. English boy. Oh, you can tell with the name Clive Waterhouse, aggressively English. Um, fuck yeah. And that was the alt-alt segment of top 10. That was so niche. Top 10 <laughs> Fremantle cult heroes. It doesn't get much niche than that. But the takeaway is that Jamal got zero points. If we haven't lost our two listeners by now, then God bless your soul, listener. Yeah, now they're gone. They... Yeah, they're gone now. It's just you and me, Ash. <laughs> um. <laughs> What out? That's a name I didn't think I'd be hearing today. Let alone Kingsley Hunter. My goodness. I'm still reeling from Clinton Young. Ah, oh, mate. Clinton Young. Premiership player, Clinton Young. It's true. Tore his hamstring um, in the first half. Trent Crowe, we had two. The most amazing thing, and I'll, I'll stop talking about Hawthorne after this little, you know, fucking diatribe is we had two right. it, on the bench at halftime but oh, then you oh, had Stewie, Stewie Jew explode after being on the bench for four years yeah exactly and we basically had three people on the bench if you count Stephen Gillum oh Jesus yeah right And did we won- Robbie Campbell play in that game sure did <sighs> Al Ruckman 
Robbie Campbell and Simon Taylor. No, no, it wasn't Simon Taylor. It was Brent Renouf. Premiership. Was it Renouf? Brent Renouf. Well, I mean, we've just triggered a great alt segment for coming weeks. Worst ever Premiership players. Oh, woof, mate. Oh. <laughs> Because Nick Maxwell is clearly the worst ever premiership captain. Oh, 100%. We could put together a side. Oh, that'd be so good. Worst 18 players ever to play in a premiership. I reckon that sounds like a great time. This century. So we're not just looking for a guy from 1923 who had one kick. I'll say we're not talking, you know, the farmers from 1950. Old mate went and played a premiership and then had to go fix some pipes at the end of the day. Um, and that, that's it for my all my segments. So I guess it is time for the publican to ring the bell. You'll have to say it. I'm excited for these extra alt segments next week. Worst premiership players. We had some bad ones. <laughs> and six degrees of burglary. Ah, oh, mate. So much content. So much content. Um, well, I uh, four went worldwide news to just chuck it all in the last call. So I do have a lot of points. So did you want to start? Uh, no, I've only got one point. Would you like to play the worldwide news sting as well? Or do you not miss it? No, I don't miss it. It's it's loud and then quiet and then somehow loud again. All right. You go for it. We've already touched on the Richmond AFLW team. We touched on Tiger offline in a joke that I'm not willing to repeat. Uh, (laughs) Were you joking? I wasn't joking. Yeah. Oh, it was a, it was a very, a a dark humor joke. It was just. Yeah. We don't want to repeat it just in case Tiger is one of our listeners. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of time off now, so maybe he is. (laughs) Um, I hope he's not listening to us while he's in the car. Oof. <laughs> Mate, that's that's probably why he got in the crash. <laughs> he was listening to his podcast. He was, like, he, oh. was, he was so upset that the multi lost. <laughs> like, I'm going off the freeway. I've had enough. I my, put, second mortgage, my second mortgage. I put my second mortgage into the Spanish handball league. What have I done? No, what it was, he heard there was no horn camp content. And he said, well, what's the fucking point? Yeah, oh, big horn camp update next week, I reckon. Big? How big? Do you just say it's big and it's actually not that big? Yeah. Underwhelming in person. The grower, not a shower. Um, all right, my first point of the last call. Uh, a gentleman in the uh, Premier League by the name of Jack Grealish got injured. However, oh the, no, poor Jack. Yeah, oh, good content. Yeah, good content. However, <laughs> this is no ordinary uh, news item because the news actually wasn't leaked, uh, like reported to the public, and the public only found out because all of his Aston Villa teammates who played fantasy Premier League took him out of his out of their fantasy sides. So they just deduced. Um, that he was injured and Aston Villa have placed a ban on all players playing fantasy Premier League for the rest of the season. That is absolutely fair enough. Isn't that wild? 
Just imagine finding out a player was injured because, you know, the local right back was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take him out of it. Because he is, like, by far and away the best player on that team. Right. Yeah, like, well, that's, he, that... he is, like, um, oh, I'm not going to say the messy, but, like, he is, like, by far and away the best player on Aston Villa. So when when his teammates are taking the, him out of their fantasy Premier League team, you know something's up. Uh, which I just found hilarious. Um, he's a relatively serious one. Oh, not serious. Peter Hudson got a statue in Tassie, um, but there are uh, way too many articles <coughs> at the moment speculating that Hawthorne haven't doesn't done enough for football in Tassie. Your thoughts? They're just trying to rile Jeff Kennett up. Well, we a- all we all want Jeff Kennett against Don Scott as the undercard of the Jake Paul Mayweather fight. Oh, wouldn't that just be phenomenal? I'd be there with bells on. Mate, I would be in the front row. I would be the I would train to be an umpire just to see Don Scott absolutely knock the shit out of Jeff Kennett. There's no uh, way Jeff Kennett makes it out alive of that fight. You wouldn't have thought so. No. Don Scott was a very mean mean man back in the day i've seen i've seen highlights he is i have seen highlights if we can call them highlights an un, yes. an unbewelcoming player um all right i think you're due for a last call point um my well my sole last call point is actually touching on the the new rule oh i hate it already yeah, um, the I'm not sure if you saw the example from the Freo West Coast game. Yeah, it's it's pretty average. I probably have more knowledge of it than most because Dad's been explaining it to me. Because mm. um, obviously, as head of football at his club, he has to be across it and is trying to explain it to the players. And yeah, it's basically if you're anywhere near the mark, you have to stay dead still, and if you're not anywhere near the mark, you can't get to the mark. Well, it happened, it happened in the Hawthorne Western Bulldogs game as well. Um, Jimmy Cousins was at the top of the 50, Bont on the mark. And, like, uh, Cousins, who can barely kick over a tin can, like, went... <laughs> Obviously, no player kicks dead straight. Like, he's a right footer, so he feigned out to the right. And Bont followed him with two steps, and the umpire was like, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. The players are quicker to react to it than the umpires are, so they get penalised. Yeah, which is just, I think that is the most ridiculous rule. I mean, it is going to increase scoring artificially. Yeah. Because A, play will move a lot faster, and B, there'll be a lot more 50-meter penalties. It'll just be, um, you know, you can see what's going to happen. It's going to be, and I don't know if you remember this, because it's probably something I remember more because I was there. But do you remember the first year the hands in the back rule came in? It was dream time at the G. Essendon were like five points or four points up with 30 seconds to go. Hmm. And it came into Richo and he put his hands in the back of a guy, grabbed it, ran into the goal square and kicked the goal, giving Richmond the win. But it got called back um, and cost Richmond the game. I feel like I vaguely remember that. Um, and there was just like almost a riot at the ground and just complaints for weeks and weeks and weeks. It, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to cost aside a big game in front of a big crowd and people are going to get absolutely tropper. 
Well, I feel like that's gonna that's every rule that gets introduced, and then it's gonna get like nerfed a little bit, and then people will just get used to it. Three to four years, this won't be a problem. It's like the um, third man up rule. Remember the the absolute furor that went up when the third man up. I still I still hate that rule. The in not- particular, in particular, I hate the having to declare for the ruck, and if you don't declare for the ruck, you can't go up. I agree. The third man rule. The third man almost won us three premierships in a row. Jordan Lewis That's is true. a ruckman, as far as I'm concerned. But my thing about the third man up rule is there's no reason to need to nominate a ruckman. I agree. But you just say, if there's a third man up, it's a free kick. And if you don't nominate a ruckman and two of you go up, then that's a penalty against you. There's no reason to need to nominate somebody. Yeah, uh, it's like dead set we're not in under 12, yeah? Like, that is under 12 football. That rule is almost designed to help the players to stop two of them going up. Yeah. Which is what, it's not what it should be. It should be, don't have two men up. If you have two men up, yeah, which I, yeah, I I agree because like if it's that way, just call it, just call it two men up, or just you know the players should know. There has never been a ruck contest in the history of the Australian rules football where an umpire hasn't been able to tell if there's one or two ruckmen from the same side up. Like it's not as if the nomination is helping the umpire, and it also just slows. And it's probably why they want to introduce this you know 50 meter penalty rule because the game slows down when you just like ask for two people it's like all right wait who is it no oh we're waiting yeah but it also results in some absolute absurdities when the guy's either out of the umpire's view or that he can't hear him and the umpire goes very loudly no hawthorne no hawthorne and then the hawthorne ruckman gets there and he just has to stand there and watch it otherwise yeah. it's a free kick so there's <laughs> and you're like what the fuck is going on what am i watching there's literally no reason to have to nominate, but yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. I think it will help scoring, but it's just um, the thing about it. And the thing like people are complaining, like, why can't you take two steps back off the mark? But if you allowed like that, then players would try and find loopholes. They go a meter or two meters or five meters back mm. And say, well, I'm not on the mark anymore. I can go sideways or whatever. So I understand why they don't let you move at all, but it's it's just no, nah, nah, chaos. I I'd like. I feel like uh, if you're moving on, like if the mark is at fifty, if you are moving parallel, yeah, parallel, parallel to the like whatever line you're on, then it shouldn't matter. You should be able to, yeah, yeah, the, no, I agree. And if you want to do. I agree, but what I'm saying is if they're going to bring this rule in that you can't go parallel, then I understand why you also can't go backwards. Yeah. Because players would try and use that as a loophole to say, well, I'm not going parallel, I'm backwards, I'm not actually on the mark, I'm allowed to be here. Yeah, and uh, back to what you said before, this is um, just a product of the players 100% reacting way quicker than umpires because you know if, let's say, you've got um, a Ruckman on the mark, let's say, I don't know, Team English, first ruckman that comes to mind. And you've got, uh, fuck, what's the guy's name? Tim Kelly, just a quick dude. Tim Kelly starts running. He's going to be around um, Tim English by the time he's being able to move and the umpire calls play on. He's going to be yeah, hard and, on the field. And the umpires have been directed to call play on straight away. But it's like, it's one of those things, even if they see it and react straight away, by the time they've blown their whistle and called play on it, it's 
like it has to be slower. Yeah. Which is um, and, that's, and that's unfortunate for the umpires because their job is entirely reactionary. Yeah, and it's not the umpire's fault, and I'm gonna feel really bad for the umpires trying to call this rule. Like it's um the best take I saw on it through through the week on Twitter was we're being asked to accept this rule as good for the game by a guy that once thought it was a good idea to change his name um, to be named after a cat food. Because Steve Hawking did did once change his name legally to Whiskers. And it's all about that brand money, you know? But I mean, it is what it is. They're not going to back down, at least for this season. So we've just got to adapt and hope that... Um, the players from our team react the best and it doesn't cost us an all important game. Yeah. Well, look, my team, it, it doesn't matter if we, yeah, I don't think it's going to matter for either of our teams to be honest, but which is, yeah. And you know, despite that, I am looking forward to the AFL season. You um, just know razor Ray is going to be the one to call. Like somebody moves a millimeter. Is it no? Nah. Yeah. The guy's going to be like kneeling down to tie his shoe. He'll be like, no nah, 50. Yeah. Um, or like turn turn around to talk to a teammate. No, no. Yeah, he literally just like gesture to you know the guys like, oh, mark that guy, mark that guy, and he's just like, oh, yeah, oh. mate, you've you've moved your hand parallel. Yeah, you've moved your hand <laughs> forward of the mark twice. It's a hundred meter penalty. <laughs> yeah, kick in from fullback, mate. Other goal square now. <laughs> or you get halfway and the guy's like lagging behind. You know that rule if you're not running fast enough and you're in the yeah. protected area. Keep That'll up. be like another 50. Oh. The amount of oh, the amount of 50s that get called this year is just ridiculous. Yeah. It will. It, it'll be astronomical. At least the first few rounds. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a point where the umpires are just going to like the the umpiring committee is just going to have to dial it back a bit because I can envision just them over-policing it because they're like, oh, new rule, we have to be on top of it. And then it's just going to go way too far. Yeah. And then they'll probably bring it back. There's going to be a happy medium at some point, but I do think it is just a bit ridiculous. It's a bit pedantic. I mean, there'll be a happy medium or there won't because they're still not in the deliberate out-of-bounds rule. There's still huge uproar about the deliberate out of bounds rule being ridiculous from Did they get rid of the deliberate the deliberate rush behind rule is still a thing yeah 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 you're not allowed to rush the yeah I feel um, like that rule is still a bit up in the air. No but see that's a little bit better because if you're under pressure you can do it. Yeah. Whereas the and it has to be quite deliberate and also like you, you don't tend to kick it 50 meters backwards and rush it behind. Whereas a 50 meter kick out of a pack. Yeah, that is that is a bit ridiculous. Where you know, comes off the side of the boot and no one's there, and they're like deliberate. I'm like, mate, and, and like a football bounces at weird angles, like it goes turns at right angles and goes out of bounds. And like, wow, there's no one there. Yeah, I didn't mean to kick it there. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't mean to kick it from the pack to um, you know, like out of bounds on the wing. Like I am actively trying to get it up the field for my team. I'm not just trying to be a fuckhead. Yeah. So I think that's one that even though people are accustomed to it and know what it is, still haven't accepted it as a good rule, but I think you're right. Most of the others happy medium has been found the protected area. Most people know. And even if they don't love, like they doesn't bother them hugely. Um, but yeah, I think it'll cause havoc at least for the first five or six rounds. Yeah, well, 
Just just another storyline to add to the intrigue of the 2021 AFL season. Just something else for Jared and Robbo to discuss. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Just No, actually, one of the, uh, the uh, detractors of the AFL season is just having to listen to the AFL media again because I'm just not ready for that. I'm not ready for the absolute mildest takes or just the really dumb takes. Yeah. Oh, that's my other. I've remembered what my other um, last call point was. Yeah, go on. Chuck her in. Um, r- related to the retirement of Bruce, mm. JB has been promoted to Friday nights with BT. I like it. I like JB. I like JB too. Lots of people don't. Um, but yeah. yeah, I like JB. Yeah. With uh, JB and BT and the Duck, it's becoming very almost triple M-ish. Mm. Yeah. On a Friday night on Channel 7, along with uh, Daisy, who's very good. And who else is Friday nights? Is it Lingy? No, Lingy's Saturday nights. Martell's Friday nights. He might be. I reckon... Maybe. I reckon jo- jo- Job is Thursday nights, I reckon. Yeah, that's a rough gig. Thursday night football. Actually, there are like 30 Thursday night football games throughout the year. I, I love Thursday night footy. I reckon Thursday night footy should be a constant. It, obviously, it's not good for kids, but for everybody else, it gives you something to talk about at work on Fridays. Gives something to watch on a Thursday night. Yeah, it's true. Oh, maybe they can move Holy Moly to the Thursday night slot. Yeah, Holy Moly might be getting moved to the bin, I think. If I ever see that show again, I, I literally caught a three-minute snippet on Facebook and it honestly, I lost brain cells just watching it. <laughs> it's not that. I mean, it's only saving grace is that it doesn't take itself seriously. That's true. I, I do like Rob Regal. I do like Rob Riggle, Shervo, um, and yeah, they uh, they don't take themselves seriously, so that's a it's a plus. It is a plus. Um, can we figure out who we have on Friday night. Um, might be Hodge. I, I see. Actually, yeah, it might be Luke Hodge. Hodge. Actually. Um, yeah, uh, I love Hodge as a special comment guy. And that probably yeah. bias, but I, yeah. And I think Jimmy Bartel's not far behind. I think they're both um, I think really, really good. They both don't really smart. Is what I like. Yeah, they don't talk shit, and they they try to actually provide special comments. Yeah, <laughs> which is um, funnily enough their job. Which is their job, but plenty of them don't take it really to heart. Yeah, well, it's like Lingy started off as. You know, boundary special comments, didn't he? Yeah, Lingy's a fuckhead. Yeah, he's a muppet. I'm sure he's a good bloke, but good God. Give me something insightful, please. Um, but yeah, look, that's pretty much all I had for last call. I reckon this, the second half of the podcast has gone for a good two and two and a bit hours. So we are absolutely flying. Two and a bit hours? Is it really? Yeah, I reckon the cricket segment only took 40 minutes. We're currently up to 2.52. My goodness me. Right? Mate, it was oh, all it, um, practice match breakdown. 
Yeah, it is 20 past 11. I'll have to go watch The Amazing Race. Oh, mate, I've got some Cricket 19 to play. Amazing Race, currently the best show on TV. Just going to say it. Yeah. Um, Reality, at least. I was like, I couldn't even tell you what else is on TV right now. Maths is on. Just go to a bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, once you once you get to that age, I guess it gets a bit harder. Apparently, dear the Bachelor, Bachelorette, Love Island, Love in Paradise, Married at First Sight, Country Farmer needs a wife, fucking IT director needs a wife. Just go out, go outside, meet some people. Yeah, go out with Jamal this Saturday. He'll be oh, Sunday. He'll be at Bottomless Brunch. This no, come out this Saturday and I'll see you Monday morning. Uh Bender Central. We're in we're in for a biggie. Yeah. And if any listeners would like to come to Canberra when Jamal comes to Canberra and party with us, drop us a line. We're going to Mooseheads. We are going to Mooseheads. We are going to the new club, what's it called? Sky High. Sky High. Just around the corner from my house. Get the opening was what's today Monday. So the opening of it was two nights ago. Guess who played the opening? Daryl. Fame, very famous Australian band, well known. Had one big hit in the mid noughties. Uh, oh, it's not Daryl Braithwaite then. <laughs> um, mid noughties. No idea. Sneaky sound system. Really. Yo, sneaky sound system are kind of fire. They saw a UFO and nobody, nobody believed them. Who'd have thought? Mm. Um, so we're going to Scott High, we're going to Mooseheads, we're going to Cube the gay bar. We'll be everywhere. Fuck yeah. Fiction. Oh, mate, we're just going to do a pub crawl. Can't wait. I'll be sucking Jamal's thumb at every club. Get there. Woof. And with that being said, and on that bombshell. Thank you so much for listening to this absolute gargantuan episode of The Last Call Podcast. Join us next week for more AFL talk, more cricket talk. Six degrees of Burgoyne. Six degrees of Burgoyne and the worst premiership winners of all time. We will see you next week.